0: Pay as you earn, then pay more years after you've earned it. We have the latest on the tax bill debacle. The party's over for corporate bonds. We explain why some analysts are calling time on them. And why it pays to get a move on in retirement. We name the best places to draw your pension. All of this to come in this week's FT Money Show. I'm Matthew Vincent and I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with my colleagues from FT Money, Steve Lodge. Hello. And Ellen Kelleher. Hello. And our special studio guest, Justin Urquhart-Stewart, Director of Seven Investment Management. Hello. So let's start with the money news. This week, more figures have been bandied about for the number of additional tax bills, or tax rebates, we can expect to receive in the post, as a result of errors in the pay-as-you-earn tax system. At first, reports suggested that 15,000 people faced extra tax bills, then the number who had underpaid tax rose to 1.4 million, and some other newspapers have suggested that the number of cases of incorrect tax being deducted could be as high as 10 or I read this morning twenty-three million. So, what exactly are these errors? Who is affected, and more importantly, do they actually have to pay? Steve, I think you've been looking at this very closely. Anyone reading a range of newspapers could potentially be quite you know, quite confused by this. What's the actual fact of the matter?
1: Well, it's a lot of people. Have you looked at Matthew um, and the? 15,000 are the people who will have been sent letters this week, who should have already received them, um, to say that effectively they still owe an average of about 1,400 quid. So quite significant sums. However, double that number, 30,000 this week, have also been sent letters saying, hurrah, you've got a tax rebate average about 420 quid. This is unusual. It is. It's very nice, isn't it, for doing nothing. I, I wish I would get one every week. Um, and the 5.7 million figure is the total number of people who are going to be getting these letters of either kind between now and Christmas.
0: And of the 5.7 million who will get one of these letters, how many are getting a bill and how many are getting a rebate?
1: Well, good news, 4.3 million are getting the rebate. So the vast majority. Yes, exactly. And... Um, and the, for for cynics amongst – because there will be amongst li- listeners um, – cynics who think this might just be a, a sort of exercise in reducing the government's deficit, the net gain of this exercise is about 200 million quid, that's all. So they are uh, looking to collect 2 billion people from one lot but give out 1.8 from the other. So it's not a huge sum of net gain for the government and indeed for – the rest of us, uh, so uh, taxpayers, taxpayers.
0: So yeah, so, so it's not really a, a revenue race no. so, as, as you say. Um, it's going to be a lot of uh,
1: anxiety for some mm-hmm. people. Who will be talking about in particular? Okay, well, PAY is the system where tax is deducted at source, as we know. It's the one we know from Im- for employment, of course, and but it also covers pensioners as well. Pension companies deduct tax at source, and it's based on a system that incomprehensible little slipper paper called the tax coding notice which makes a stab at the tax you will um, be due to pay in the following year you get that in the spring and for the following year it's deducted according to that slip of paper or indeed should be deducted according to that slipper paper however and but it's based on generally essentially based on the previous year. So, in practice, of course, things can turn out to be different. You could, for example, change jobs. There could be mistakes in the system. There could be mistakes in in talking you talking to your employer and your employer talking to the revenue. And of course, as many people have assumed, um, the revenue just may be incredibly slow at keeping things up to date.
0: Now, uh, so slow. so the, sure asked, so, like so the under and
1: overpayments reflect. Yeah putting that right at the end of the year, if you like. Certainly. Now, I, like many, uh, go through the annual
0: torture of having to fill in my self-assessment form. Mm. Um, So this strikes me as
1: pretty rich given that I'm giving them all the all the figures or am I not affected no you're not affected so so the key point is people who fill in self-assessment tax returns and you're right not many of us welcome that in a way but in one sense it's all way of putting the whole thing right and some experts are saying that could be the kind of medium term solution to this whole problem that we will have a kind of automatically filled in form that pulls in all this information for us and puts it right at the end of the year so really, this, this exercise, the problems coming out of the revenue's own reconciliation, but it's a reconciliation that arguably individuals, some individuals are doing already, and more perhaps should be.
2: And this is going to be crucial because equi- uh, so often now we're all moving jobs. Mm-hmm. The average time on a job is about five years. So you've mm-hmm. got your, P-E or your normal PAYE form you've got uh, and then you'll find it's changing again. You have to keep up to date with it. So even those passive taxpayers now are going to have to be actively checking what's going on on a regular basis.
1: Absolutely, Justin, you're right. I mean, another classic one as well. We're all encouraged to take more responsibility for our own pension provision. Tax codes, to a degree, will take into account the tax relief you, you've got previous years and they'll put that through to the next tax code. Um, But of course, you may not make the same contributions each year. So by definition, they're a pretty rough and ready stab in the dark. Um, The revenue, of course, talks about having improved its computer system and things will get better in the future. Um, But of course, earlier this year, there were many reports out there talking about the number of incorrect tax codes that have been issued. So I think there's clearly some more short-term pain to come. Yeah, I'm sure there is. Just finally, what about people who uh, want to say can't pay or won't pay? Can well, absolutely. they? Well, first of all, if you get offered money, well, I would sit back Take it, and enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, if, if instead you get sent a bill... Um, There are essentially sort of three defences, if you like. I mean, the first one should be to the basic one, which should be just check the bloody things accurate. Um, Have they forgotten something? Why do you assume they're correct this time when they were arguably incorrect before? They may have forgotten something. So you may find ways of paring back your, um, your bill or indeed increasing the amount you're owed if you start digging away in your records. Number two, there is something called an extra statutory provision, A19, which is a complicated thing, but essentially says if you've tried your best to give them all the information and you believe that your affairs were in order, then they should think about writing the whole money off. And the other one is that, of course, some of these problems arise because your employer or your pension provider has failed to provide the proper information to the revenue. So it should you know, there should be an element here of saying it's not my problem, Gov. Go and talk to my employer or ex employer, or go and talk to my pension provider for the unpaid. Tax.
0: So there are ways to challenge it. Thanks uh, for that very much, uh, Steve, and for Steve's definitive QA on what to do if you get a letter from HM Revenue and Customs uh, and indeed uh, how to challenge an extra tax bill. Uh, look out uh, for uh, that article in FT Money with this weekend's FT and online at ft.com forward slash money. Still to come on the show. Where's the best place to enjoy a comfortable retirement? Here's a clue. It's not here in the UK. First, though, corporate bonds. Investors who bought into corporate bond funds a year and a half ago have enjoyed some spectacular returns. With the credit crisis raising fears that companies would default on their bonds, prices collapsed at the end of 2008 and early 2009. Since then, however, yields have fallen and bond prices have rallied strongly the Henderson-Sterling bond fund, for example, is up 65% since March 2009. But with yields looking unlikely to fall further and heightened market uncertainty over economic growth and inflation, one analyst said this week, the party is definitely over. So, Ellen, is it time for us all to leave the party?
3: Yes, uh, I think think you should get out while the going's good, or at least that's what advisors are saying now. And you know we definitely have this threat uh that uh, yields will fall even further and will stay low for a considerable amount of time um and a lot of advisors are comparing the situation to what happened to japanese bonds um back during the crisis that um in the 80s uh and saying well couldn't this happen now um you know obviously we don't know. The economic uncertainty is such that there's very little visibility, according to bond fund managers. But Justin, I mean, what are your thoughts? To What, what kind of arguments would you... It is fascinating.
2: There is a general fear certainly in the States that uh, we may all be turning Japanese and in fact they've even invented another horrible combined word again called deflation <laughs> which is a combination of deflation with something that feels like depression. That's to say, well actually depression but growing at the suboptimal level maybe only 1% in America and that would have an overall effect. And this is, really comes down to the, the basic issue of the next few years. Are we going to have inflation? Or are we going to have deflation? And if you ask around the city at the moment, the camps are very very firmly divided. If you think there's inflation, then index linked is where you need to be, and then your corporate bond funds probably ain't going to be there. Um, And so individual corporate bonds. But if you think there's actually going to be inflation, then actually, it's probably then looking more towards guilt and actually, sorry, deflation rather, you're going to have your guilt and also corporate bonds as well. But the corporate bond funds themselves have gone so far that the very least you can say is the easy money's been made. There is now mm. far greater risk there. Mm. What I would ask, ask advisors and individuals to look at is maybe some of the individual corporate bonds. Because remember, when you're buying a corporate bond or a guilt, if you hold it until redemption, you've got a nice view as to what you're going to get. The risk is your government going bust, which, of course, these days isn't unknown, um, and, of course, your, your company going bust, but you can sort of measure that one. So almost moving away from the, the funds themselves and looking at the individual uh, uh, entities might be a better value.
3: Justin, to what extent are government bond yields and corporate bond yields linked? I mean, obviously, you have this differential between the two, and corporate bond yields tend to be sort of more attractive on average. Uh, but isn't there some sort of domino effect that you see in the market?
2: Yes, I mean, certainly there's the overall domino effect you could see in, in fixed interest because you would actually see if there's a fear in corporates, people then could move, move more to, to governments. But equally, if the pressure's on the governments, therefore you could see uh, then the fear going elsewhere, and that's when you see more return to gold and such like, uh, and other sort of uh, teddy bears that people like to hold on to in moments of stress. Yeah. Um, but uh, and, you know, we're in a world now where you know, 10 years ago you'd have been talking about. Uh, overall government. Uh, fear of government debt uh, uh, wasn't really a problem except in rather extraneous emerging markets. Now of course it's really come home to roost and even down to the UK as well. Over the next few months some of our friends in the Eurozone uh, will, they probably won't call it default, they'll have a better way they'll call it restructuring (laughs) Um, and that will put pressure on those government uh, issues and you will see that reflected in corporates as well.
3: So are there any safe areas, or say safe, that's probably too strong a word but um, Less risky. Yes, less risky areas (laughs) of the bond market, but for example, like high yield bonds? Are they looking well, more attractive you, Well,
2: you just have to look. In the high yield, people are desperate at the moment trying to get any form better at levels of yield. And of course in this period of lower growth and lower return it's difficult to find. If you're getting a higher yield, then look, look at the underlying asset that's actually giving you that higher yield. Is that corporate at some risk? Um, and if it's too good to be true, then please be careful. So uh, in terms of individual corporates, go for the quality ones. I would rather at the moment take a slightly lower yield and have a better
0: quality corporate.
3: Mm. Well, that's great, Justin. Thank you.
0: Thank you uh, very much for that, uh, Justin and Ellen, and for an analysis of uh, sterling corporate bond funds and those that uh, may still offer some value. Look out for Ellen's article in the FT Money section this weekend and online at ft.com forward slash money. And finally today, retirement planning. Where do you reckon is the best place to retire? Front and on Sea? Eastbourne, Bognor Regis? Well, you might be unsurprised to hear that wealth managers think you'd be better off heading abroad and not just for the weather. Tax rates, pension schemes and reciprocal social security arrangements can make a number of overseas countries a good destination for UK savers with a pretty good pension. So, Ellen, you've obviously got decades to go before you think <laughs> about any of this but for those of the rest of us uh, who are a little bit closer <laughs> um, perhaps to retirement where should we be heading?
3: Well it's a difficult choice and it's a, it's an you know it comes down to sort of your own interests If if, if you sort of have a passion for golf or you might want to I don't know. Head to sunny Spain, or you know, there's so many options out there, and it seems as if the Department for Work and Pensions is actually pushing people and encouraging Brits to to look abroad because they have a whole section on their website on the best places to retire abroad, uh, which seems a bit sort of unusual for a pensions department um, to be doing that. But yeah, there are there are tremendous uh, there a number of arguments that suggest that it, it's a good idea to look abroad. Um, first point is that if you stay in the EU, it's quite attractive. You know, you don't really lose any of the benefits of of living in Britain and residency requirements are easy and buying property is relatively easy. Uh, and you can also put your money into a QROP, which has a number of attractive uh, benefits. It's not a pension scheme. Yes, exactly. You basically set up a QROP in, say, Guernsey. Uh, and then after five years, your pension is falls out of the revenues net if you're abroad. So why stay in Bournemouth when you can live in Seville? Indeed.
0: Um, and if I was looking further afield, uh, beyond Europe, any particular countries that you've come across that you think are advantageous?
3: Oh, definitely. I mean, it, what's uh, you have a a number of these countries that have you know for example Canada, New Zealand where you know there are a few people and huge land uh, sort of uh, lots of land so um, they're definitely interested in having more um British pensioners come their way. And they're willing to set up these deals where you can effectively buy your way into the country. If you invest with the government in New Zealand, I think if you give them about two million New Zealand dollars, they'll they'll let you become a citizen. You, you just have to lend it to them for five years. And, and so you have Canada, to have quite a bit of money there. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I'm not sure what the exchange rate is yeah. for the <laughs> no. dollar, but that yeah. sounds like a lot of money to me. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it is a lot of money. Um, but, you know, it's attractive. I mean, if you just sort of um, just feel this sort of kind of desire to escape to, um, yeah, to the Antipodes, and by all means, you should investigate these schemes.
2: I think there's some other exciting places to go to with some maybe not quite so good tax breaks, but certainly I'll be off to Malaysia because uh, it's a lovely country. The people are nice; they quite like the Brits still, which makes a change. Then, of course, next to that you've got Singapore, and the great thing about Singapore is a) the underground works, um, mm-hmm. but more to the point, they've got some extremely good hospitals, which I'll need in my dotage, or in my <laughs> case, probably quite soon. So that's got me marked. When I'm down there.
3: Are you definitely leaving, Justin?
2: Uh, I may get thrown out first, but uh, <laughs> in time, I
0: will. I suspect be out there. Uh-huh. I'll have to get you to dial in to the the podcast (laughs) from your Singapore mansion. Um, Ellen, thanks uh, for that and uh, if you'd like to know more about the practicalities of retiring abroad and those QROP pension schemes that uh, Ellen mentioned, as well as uh, I think Ellen's choice of the top four destinations um, you can look out for her feature which will be in this Saturday's FT Money section. That's all for this week's FT Money show. Remember you'll find weekday news updates and all of these stories on our website ft.com forward slash money and if you have a question you'd like us to answer about any aspect of your finances Just email us. We will answer the questions or get financial experts to do so on the Reader's Questions page of FT Money. It's a free service and anonymous, so just send your questions to money at ft.com. Next week, we'll bring you another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from Ellen, Steve, and our special studio guest, Justin Urquhart-Stewart of Seven Investment Management.
3: Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.